Let me ask you a question today. If God were to come to you and ask you a question and said something along this lines, how do you think you respond? Imagine if God came to you and said, listen, I have an awesome task for you to accomplish. He comes to you and says, I need your help. I need you to participate in something. And it's huge. It's really big. It's, it's part of my plan to redeem the world to myself. And you're the person I'm calling upon. You're the one that has to do it. It's going to involve miracles and signs and wonders. It'll involve splitting the Red Sea and leading more than a million people out of bondage of freedom. How about it? You going to join my team? Most of us in this room will probably be like, mm, I'm not sure, God. Is that for me? Or are you talking to him? Or are you talking to her? Are you sure you picked the right person? I mean, what would your response be? I don't know that we would jump right in. I think we'd probably be like, eh, I, I don't know. Chances are we wouldn't. Moses didn't waste any time. If you're familiar with the account in the, in the Old Testament, he said, look, God, I'm not your guy. <laughs> That's not for me. That's not a task I'm taking. And then he rolls off a whole bunch of, of excuses about why he can't be the guy. And quite honestly, I, I don't think it really impressed God. I, honestly, I, I'm sure it didn't impress God because God knows him more than Moses knows himself. And God's like, Moses, you're my guy. And Moses is like, yeah, I'm not sure. See, in order for us to accomplish the mission that we've been talking about the last five weeks of helping people find and follow Jesus, it's going to take a whole lot of us who, who are not filled with excuses. It's going to take a whole lot of us who are willing to answer the question when God says, hey, you, I need you to step into this area. I need you to step into this area. I need you to launch out this new ministry. I need you to give to this ministry. I need you. And are we going to come with a bag full of excuses like Moses? See, we must be willing to discover our call and then fulfill our call and then help others to do the same. And the call is not just for people who are going to be a preacher. Or just for people who are going to be a missionary. The call is for all of us who are in Christ to discover, God, what do you have for me to do? God, what's my part in your great kingdom work? Our vision that we've been talking about the last four weeks is a simple four-step process. That number one, we connect people to Christ. What do we do? We try to find people who are not walking with Jesus, and we help them to come to know Jesus. Make a connection to Jesus. We then help people center their lives on Jesus. They take a step and they say, what does this look like to walk with Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week? That I have a relationship with him that influences everything else I do, that guides everything that I do. And now today I want to talk about how we discover our call from Christ. That's step three. Because once you come to Jesus, you start walking with Jesus, we should be asking a question, now what do you want me to do? What's my purpose? Why do, I, why do I exist? And a lot of us already think about that. And step four, which we'll discuss next week, is we go change the world. Today I want to talk about what it means to discover our call from Christ. Let's dive in deeper in the life of Moses and see what we can learn from him as he's called to do a great work for God. Because I believe as we look at the life of Moses, we see some things going on. We go, oh my goodness, I'm just like Moses. And I think we can learn some things from him as we look at our call in Christ. Let, let me give you a little bit of the background. Moses is living the life of a shepherd. 
not really known as the greatest job on earth. You know, he's not a doctor, he's not a lawyer, he's not a school teacher, you know, he's not out making the big bucks, he's not out running the big company. He's just kind of your average blue-collar worker, taking care of actually his father-in-law's sheep. I hope they had a good relationship. Scripture doesn't speak to that. But he's employed by his father-in-law. And that happens today, doesn't it? Sometimes the in-laws employ the son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws, or sometimes you employ your kids. It's kind of a, a family business, so to speak. And so he's working in the family business. He takes the sheep to the far side of the wilderness, is what the scripture tells us. He arrives there, and he sees a bush on fire. The strange thing is that the bush is not burning up. Just imagine. Come on, sheep, let's go. He guides him across. Wait, that bush is there. It's on fire, and it's not singeing. He just sees a fire coming out from the bush. That within itself would drive you crazy. I mean, whoa, what is going on here? Who's pulling on that kind of magic trick? What's happened? And not only is the bush on fire, he's standing there, and he starts to hear this bush speak. Moses, Moses. I mean, it's a weird situation. For any of us, to be like, okay, what's going on here? And, he, and, and here it even gets weirder. He talks to the bush. Here I am. I mean, that's what the scripture says. You can go back and read it, okay? Exodus chapter 3, I encourage you to read it. He, he says, here I am. And so here Moses, working in the family, leading the sheep, comes in a bush, the bush talks to him, he talks back to the bush. Might be one of the strangest situations. It might be the first situation in the Bible dealing with mental illness. It might be. We talk about it all the time today in our culture. I, I don't really know. But we do know that God was getting his attention. The voice in the bush tells him, this is God. And Moses realizes, wow, I'm standing before God. And he hides his face. Have you ever hidden your face from God? You ever hear God speaking to you and you're like, I know God's getting my attention. You're like, whoa, I'm going to hide. He can't see me. That's what Moses was doing. He's like, oh my goodness, I'm going to hide from this God. And now look what the scripture says as God talked to him in Exodus chapter 3. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So the people of Israel, the Israelites, are in suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing in milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So they're ruthless on them. And he says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Whoa, God, hold on a minute. I'm just a shepherd boy taking care of some sheep. And you want me to go to the king Pharaoh and tell him it's time to let the people go? Imagine the conversation. What are you going to do? When God says, hey, you know what? I want you to stop doing this and do that. I want you to quit your job and go here. I, I want you to sacrifice some time. I want you to get involved in some ministry. Moses comes with all kinds of excuses. He's like, wait a minute. Who's going to listen to me? What am I supposed to say? Uh, uh, I, I don't know really what to do. And he continues with his excuses as we turn the page into chapter 4 of the book of Exodus. And think about it for a moment. When God calls him, do you think he knows that Moses may not be eloquent? 
I mean, God already knows that. But look what Moses says in chapter 4, verse 10. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, he's saying, I have a stuttering problem. There's no way I can stand in front of people and talk and tell them, now you follow me and you come with me. I love this account because when I was a kid, I had a speech problem. I slurred my S's and had to go through a lot of therapy for that. And I think, God, that's where I was as a kid. And now here I am today where I speak in front of people. Do you think God knows Moses is slow of tongue and speech? Absolutely. Look what he says in verse 11. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? God's like, I gave you your mouth. Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Isn't I the Lord? He's like, Moses, I know all about you. I know your shortcoming. God knows Moses before he even calls him. And God knows you when he called you. And God has a plan and a purpose for you. And a plan and a purpose for us. And he knows all about our handicaps. He knows all about our hang-ups. He knows all about our weaknesses. He knows all about our sin. He knows all about our shortcomings. He knows every time we stubbed our toe. He knows about them. And excuses, do we think we can give God an excuse that he can't handle? Well, we tend to do that. Well, no, man, Lord. Lord, I'm really busy right now. Lord, I don't know if I'm smart enough for that one. Lord, you want me to know. Lord, you know about my past. There's no way people are going to trust me. I can't do that anymore. That's why I love it that uh, Devin is our team leader. I love it. And we're not going to get deep into his story, but Devin spent 25 years in prison. And God has redeemed him, and now he's feeding kids and doing all kinds of ministry. I love it because God takes our past, and he can heal it and make you new. He already knows what you're capable of. What God is looking for is a vessel that is willing to be placed in his hands. Not necessarily someone who feels qualified and good. Matter of fact, he wants someone who believes in him enough to do his work and his power that you say, God, I don't know how to do this. God, I don't know that I'm capable, but God, I'm willing if you're willing to do it inside of me. He's looking for those kinds of people. See, God is in the business of qualifying the call, not calling the qualified. I want you to hear that again. God is in the business of qualifying the called and not calling the qualified. He's saying, I'll tap your shoulder. You say yes, and then I'll give you the qualifications. I'll give you the abilities. Well, how? That's the big question. Well, how's he going to do that? Well, let's talk about that for a few minutes as we consider the life of Moses. I think, first of all, principle number one is this. We've got to stop looking at our own abilities and listen to what God is calling you to do. So many times we stop and look at, what am I capable of doing? What have I been trained to do? Can I do this? Can I do that? If not, we say no. No, we need to start listening to God. God, what do you have for me to do? God, where do you want me to go? God, what do you want me to step in? We got to stop thinking about our own ability and start thinking about God and his word. See, if David kept looking at himself, he would have never faced Goliath. There's no way. Wait, a small boy, a huge giant, I don't have the weapons or the tools, I'll go fight him anyway because I have faith while all these other people are scared and they're hiding from Goliath. David would have never done that. If Peter kept thinking about man's ability, he would have never walked on water. When God said, you step out of the boat, Peter would have said, you're crazy, I'm going to sink. He said, okay, I'll keep my eyes on you. When he took his eyes off of God, he started to sink. 
but he walked in faith. If George Mueller, the famous missionary, looked at his own resources, he would have never started orphanages. And he would never sat kids around the table with no food and prayed and said, kids, God's going to provide. And they'd have a prayer and the doorbell would ring and the meal would show up that night for the children. Because of faith. We got to stop thinking about what we can or cannot do. The first thing that Moses did was look at himself. He says, well, who am I? How can I do this? You, you'll lose confidence in doing what God wants if you look at yourself and look at your own limitations. You'll go, there's no way I can do this. Moses started looking at all of his inabilities. He started looking at his inadequacies as if God didn't know them already. And God had a hard time convincing Moses just as he has today with many Christians. Because unfortunately, Christianity in America many times comes down to this. We gather, we sing, we hear a sermon, we go home. And we have the excuses that go up and says, well, I know I should, I know God's tapping my shoulder, but... See, God was angered eventually at Moses' stubbornness, his reluctance. And you know how to make God angry is to refuse to serve God. Refuse to do what he's tapping your shoulder for, what he's calling you to. When God calls you, he knows all of your shortcomings. Let me say that again. He knows all, every single one of your shortcomings, whatever it is. You can say, but God, I. You fill in a blank, he says, I already know that. I already dealt with that. Do you have faith? He did not choose you because of your great strengths or your great wisdom. God says to Exodus, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 12, he says to Moses, now go. And he says, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I will help you. When we set the goal last year for 25,000 meals, set the goal for 30,000 meals, after speaking that verbally, God and I had some conversations. I was like, God, what are we doing? One of the executives from Mod Pizza that lives out in Seattle was with us yesterday and over the weekend. She was blown away what our church did. She came to me yesterday as we were loading a van. And she said, I'm blown away. I said, why? She said, I thought you guys were some like mega church running a couple thousand people in order to do this. She said, I found out you're a church about 250 to 300 people. I said, yeah, that's us. She said, I don't know how you guys did that. I said, because we believe in a big God. And she was dumbfounded because most churches they work with do three, four, five thousand meals and they do their event. It's a good event. What does God want to do through you? What does God want to do through us? Are we going to put in excuses? Well, God, or are we going to say, no, our God's huge. I think we've learned a lesson this season. Been really honest with you, church, about the lack of faith of preachers sometimes. And I know you all sometimes struggle in faith, lack of faith too. Because we're human and we're wrestling in that journey. But God wants us to say, God, I'm here for you. I want you to be used. God uses anyone who has a willing heart to serve him. Moses kept looking at himself. He wants to feel qualified to do the job. We do the same thing. Whenever there's something to be done, we'll look at ourselves. We start to focus on our abilities and not what God can do to empower us. It's a mistake. Because we'll never be good enough for God on our own. We need God's help. That's the best place to be in. When we say, I can't do this, only God, you can do it. So I think about Moses' experience, I think about the disciples. 
They had a similar experience. They were around a crowd that was super hungry. Jesus had been teaching and preaching. They go to the other side of the lake to get some rest. The crowd follows Jesus and some 5,000 people needed to be fed. And Jesus turns to the disciples and says, you give them something to eat. The 12 disciples, again, not the sharpest crayons in the box, so to speak. Your average Joes. I love how God just takes the average Joes. He just says, come on, we're going to do something big. It's an enormous task. They're stunned by the question. Matter of fact, as you study deeper in the feeding of the 5,000, there's probably some 10 to 12,000 people because you actually take the children and take the wives and everybody that were there, and there's probably more. And so they're asked this great question, just like Moses was taken back to the size of the task, and they probably wondered why Jesus was even asking them, like, how are we going to feed them? I mean, this is going to be impossible. After all, he would have known that they didn't have that kind of money to buy dinner. I mean, here, they are fishermen and they're tax collectors and they're carpenters and they're not rich. And where are we going to go anyway to get all this kind of food and one time to feed as many people? And when God calls them to do a task, he knows their limitations. He knows their inabilities. But he still wants to do a work in them just as he wants to do in you and me. He wants us to rely upon him for his help. And the disciples were challenged to look to God. They had been with Jesus. They had been walking with Jesus and watching Jesus, hearing him and learning from him and seeing him teach and seeing him touch and seeing him heal. And they still doubted in faith. And Jesus wants them to learn how he operates in the realm of faith. And like Moses, what do they do? They start to look at themselves. Look at verse 37 of chapter 6, the book of Mark. They said to Jesus, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? Wait a minute, you want me to give three-fourths of my salary in order to go feed these people? Moses said he was incapable and that no one would believe him and he lacks eloquence. We make the similar mistake today when we start thinking about the problem. The disciples were figuring out how many people they were, how much money they had, how much money could they, how much bread could they buy? How are we going to be able to divide it? How are we going to do that? Moses is thinking about what to say to Pharaoh, how he should introduce God. What should he say if he asked? What's his name? We think of human ways to do the job. How are we going to be able to accomplish? We end up trying to figure out what we're going to do instead of looking to God for what he can do. And as we go on this journey helping people to find and follow Jesus, we've got to be asking, God, what do you want to do? God, what do you want to accomplish? God, I'm willing to jump in. God will enable us, enable us to do whatever he calls us to do. This is his plan all along. Look at verse 38. Jesus asked his disciples, how many loaves do you have? And he did a miracle with it. And he multiplied it over and over and over again to feed everybody. And when he's all done, they collected up 12 basketfuls that were left over did above and beyond what they could ever ask or imagine. In Exodus 4, God asked Moses, what's in your hand? And he performs a miracle with it. Let us hear him clearly and trust him to do the job in us. God, what do you want from me? God, what do you want from our church? One meal fed more than 5,000 people. One rod led two, two million people out of slavery. We must not look to our own abilities. We must listen to God and say, God, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? God, where are you going? God, I don't know how it's all going to get done, but I trust you. I have enough faith for that. Leads me to my second principle. Is that we give to God what you have so that his work can be done. See, God creates this world out of what? 
nothing. Out of nothing, he created this world. But he has chosen to accomplish his purpose today through you. He accomplishes purpose through you, through me, through us. That's how he has set things up. Things that get done in this world, in this earth, is, as goes through his church, through his body, through his believers, is how he makes things happen. God's work is done when we offer up what we have. God, here I am. Here's who I am. Here's what I have. God, I offer it to you. We've got to give it up to God so that he can do his miracles and his wonders. Give to God the natural and let God do the supernatural. Think about this with me for a moment. A plain bar of iron <clears throat> is worth about five bucks. But when you make that into a horseshoe, it can be worth about $12, depending on what part of the country you're in. But when you make that into a that same bar into a, a bunch of needles, that can be worth about $3,500. When you make that bal into balance springs for a Swiss watches, this bar of iron could be worth as much as $300,000. You leave it alone, and that's all you've got. What are we worth in the hand of Almighty God? What can he do inside of you and me? What can he do inside the body of center point as our faith grows and our eyes stay more fixed upon him? God asked Moses in verse 2 a simple question. Moses, what is it in your hand? What is in your hand? Moses replied, I got a rod. Why does he have a rod, a staff? Because he's a shepherd. What does he do with that? Well, he directs the sheep. He pulls them. He rescues them. He prods them to go in the right direction. And when God asks a question, it's always for our sake, not for his. God knew what he has in his hand. He knew he's walking around holding on to a rod. God does not look at a question because he does not know the answer. He wants us to know the answer. To know that an ordinary tool and place in his hand will do wonderful things. A shepherd's rod, it's pretty simple. It's a stick that's about two meters long. You probably have something like that in your garage, probably a broom handle or something like that. And you would think God was nuts if you're out there push brooming out your garage and I said, what are you holding on to? I got a broom. That's what we would answer. Exactly what we would do. It's a man's tool. But it's, 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 it's the potential to be God's tool when we leave it to his hand. God said, cast it on the ground. Throw that thing down. So Moses throws it down, throws it down around. What happens? It turns into a snake. God said, Moses, pick it up. He picked it back up. What is it? Back to being a rod. It's an amazing account. In your growth guide this week, you're going to read through some of this this week and study in it a little bit deeper. Leave it in your hand as just a stick. Give it to God and you can make it into a miracle. What are you holding on to that is just yours? You're holding on to it and it's like, yep, that has no power. And God's saying, it's time to let go of it. I want to do a miracle. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Look at what God says to Moses in 4.17. He says, take this staff in your hand so that you can perform miraculous signs with it. He says, that staff that you use to, to guide the sheep, you're going to take it along and you're going to do some miraculous things. If you keep it to yourself, whatever you own or have, it remains a stick. Put it in my hands, it's going to do miraculous things. Give it to God. Transform the ordinary into something miraculous for his glory. Instead of waving a rod directed at sheep, God, Moses lifted it high to open up the sea. Think about it for a moment. He lifted it high in prayer, and he won the battle against the Amalekites. Faith. God, it's a simple stick. 
God says, put it in my hands. I'm going to do the miraculous. This is what God can do whenever we have something to give to him. You may be thinking, well, why do I have much? God, I, I have just a tad bit of money, just a tad bit of abilities, just a tad bit of time. Put it in God's hands. What's he going to do with that? See, to us, it may be an ordinary skill. It might be a very ordinary talent, an ordinary gift, but give it to God and let it become a blessing to hundreds and thousands and just, just try God to see what he'll do. Just give him a try. Uh, you think about it for a moment. What are some of the rods that God has placed in your hands? What has God put in your hands? Is it education? Maybe, maybe you've been great in education. He's saying, I'm going to put that rod in your hands. He wants to use it for his glory. Maybe, maybe it's fin finances. Maybe it's talents. Maybe it's gifts. Maybe it's special abilities. Maybe it's some things that you say, these are just very normal things. Maybe it's like, I'm not even sure what's in my hands. And you just say, God, here I am. Tony Campala was the main speaker at a women's conference some years ago. And at a point in the program, the women recalled the challenge with a several thousand dollar goal for a mission project. The chairman for the day turned to Tony Capallo and asked him if he would pray for God's blessing on the women as they considered what they might do to achieve their goal. To their astonishment, though, he went up to the podium. If you've ever heard Tony Campolo speak, he kind of goes against the grain, so to speak. Went to the podium and graciously declined. He said, you already have the necessary resources to complete this project right here in this room. It would be inappropriate to ask God's blessing when God has already blessed you. The necessary gifts are in your hands. As soon as, he, as soon as we take the offering and underwrite this project, then we'll thank God for freeing us to be generous, responsible, and accountable stewards. He said, he's already given it to you. It's already in your pockets. When the offering was taken, they exceeded the mission goal, and Dr. Tony Campolo led them in a joyous prayer of thanksgiving. Let me ask you something this morning. Could it be that all the resources we have for the ministries we're dreaming about, things we're thinking about, how to reach our neighborhood, could it be that all the dollars that we need for ministry, whatever we dream of, whatever we think about launching, wherever God leads us, could it be that all the talents and all the abilities and all the gifts are already in this church? And God is just waiting for us to say, here I am. Use me. My gifts, my abilities, my talents, they're all yours, God. And if we get a whole church saying yes to God, what will happen in Centerpoint next two or three years? How different would ministry be? What kind of lives can we touch? How many people will come to Jesus? How many more children will be fed? How many more people will be baptized in the water? How many more people will say yes to Jesus? How many more people will walk away from addictions? How many more uh, single moms will be ministered to? How many more grandparents will be able to help? As you dream about what could God do in us if we say, yes, here's my talents, here's my abilities. Now on Sunday, November 3rd, this is in your bulletin, we're having a ministry fair. Because I don't want to preach through this series and say, okay, now that's it. What we're, we're, we're inching towards unveiling some of the dreams and hearts that God's been putting towards us. But on Sunday, November 3rd, that's going to be a little bit of a different Sunday morning. I want you to put it on your calendar. Make sure this is our 15th birthday Sunday. On November 2, in the bulletin, you see information about our birthday party, a chili cook-off, a cornhole tournament, campfire worship, and we're going to have just a, a grand time here on that Saturday, November 2, the details are in your bulletin. Then we're going to come Sunday, November 3rd, and it's going to wrap up this whole series with this ministry fair. We're going to come in here, we're going to worship together, we're going to commune together, we're going to hear a little bit of God's word, and then we're going to go to the ministry fair. Ministry fair is going to be just across the hallway in the new building. 
going to be about 20 different ministries there. Along with the 20, there's going to be about six new ministries that we're going to say, hey, here's ministries that we're hearing from the body that we think we're to start and get off the ground sometime within the next 12 months, 18 months, you know, 24 months. And we're going to see who of you have been listening and going, okay, God, what do you want me to say yes to? And if we get enough people wrapping around one of those ministries, for instance, one, I'll just let a little bit out for you. We've had a, a, a swelling around here for the last 12 months of people who are saying, we've got to do something with addiction ministry. We have to. And there's already some people who are starting to gather around that. And they're already starting to dream about it and starting to think about it. How do we do this? They're already starting to go to other churches and saying, what are they doing? How are they doing it? What does it look like? And so I imagine that's going to be one that will get launched next year. But it's going to take a number of people who say, I want to minister to people who have addiction challenges. And so on November 3rd, I'm going to ask you, will you say yes? All of our ministries will be here. All of our current ministries, the, all of them could use some help. You may say, I just want to jump into one that's kind of existing, and I'll help it get a little bit better. Or, nope, I want to see something new get off the ground. I want to jump in over this one, and I'll be part of that team. We'll start figuring out what does it look like. And it may be something that starts in the next six months. Maybe it starts two years from now, because it may take that kind of run-up to get it figured out and organized and put it all together. I want to ask you right now, start praying. But I want you to pray kind of like Dr. Tony Capallo was guiding. I want you to pray, God, will you help me say yes and have no excuses? Because we can lay out all kinds of ministries and then we'll come up with, well, how are we going to do that? What about the money? Now, can we do this? What about this? I don't know. All the excuses will start bubbling up. They'll be coming. And I want you to start praying right now. God, November 3rd is coming. Help me say yes and have no excuses. That might be right now Lord, help me clear my calendar. It might be no excuses. It might be, hey, on that day, you tell your kids, I'm sorry, we're not participating in sports today. It might be, hey, you know what? We were going to talk about going out of town that weekend. No, we're not going to go out of town that weekend. We're going to stay here. We're going to be here and we're going to participate in that whole day with our church family because that's going to be the day when we say, all right, we've heard all the dreams, how we're going to help find and help people find and follow Jesus. And now, are we going to jump on board and make it happen? See, God knows you all along. He knows us inside and out, and he still calls us. So don't underestimate what God can do with the little things that we offer him. <clears throat> it's just when we say, no, God, I'm not going to do it. Will you not see the blessing? But when you say, yes, God, you'll see the blessing of God moving your life. What did God ask Moses? What is in your hand? He's asking us the same question in the church. What's in your hand? Bow your heads.